Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Living a Courageously Authentic Life. I'm your host, Jennifer Monahan, and we're coming to you from Blog Talk Radio. Today, I am very excited that uh, we have a special guest on our show, Netta Wattels. Uh Netta is a, a professional animal communicator. Uh, she's a communication specialist, a certified multidimensional energy healing facilitator, a certified emotion code practitioner, and a spiritual empowerment and ascension coach. Uh, she has a BA from Cornell University, an MS from the State University of New York at New Paltz, and an MA from New York University. Um, she has been communicating telepathically with animals since she has been a small child, and she became a professional in animal communication back in 1994, so she's been doing this for quite a while. Since then, she has successfully assisted thousands of animals and their human companions, and I will, uh, full disclosure, I am one of Netta's clients, and she has helped me over the years with uh, my, animal communic- my animal companions. Uh, She has a teleclass, it's Telepathy with Animals, and her classes are attended by students from all over the world. Uh, She does offer services specifically for humans. humans. Uh, Those are humans who are spiritually awakening, Uh, and those services are multidimensional healing, metaphysical resonance imaging, which is a fifth dimensional body scan, spiritual empowerment coaching, Akashic Record Consultations, and Preparation for Surgery Sessions. We're going to hear a lot from Netta today, but if you do want to learn more about Netta, you can visit her at raysofhealinglight.com, and there you can get more information, articles, and blog posts. So, Netta, hi, how are you today? Netta, can you hear me? Yes, Jennifer. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the show. Oh, Jennifer, thank you so much for inviting me to be on your podcast. I'm really excited. Well, I'm excited too, and I know our listeners are as well. Uh, And I do want to apologize. We were supposed to start at the top of the hour, but there were some technical difficulties that Blog Talk was having um, that made it impossible for us to start on time. So I do apologize for that. But we're going to jump in now. We have... The full 45-minute schedule. And, uh, yeah, and Netta, I know you have some great stories to tell us, so why don't we just get started um, by you sharing a little bit about how you got started in animal communication. You mean as a profession? Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I did it as a child. I was talking to animals when I was a little kid. I was very mm-hmm. fortunate because most children who do this they get shut down. They get shut down either by their parents or older siblings, and they stop. And so I believe that everybody can do this, has Mm. the abilities. They just haven't followed through. In my case, I was told I was pretending, so I kept pretending. What happened was that it became like a segmented part of my life. There was like a little cubby hole, and then Mm -hmm. when I was communicating with animals, I was kind of in that world, and then there was the rest of my life. But at a certain point in my life, I could not stay at the job I had any longer. I've had a lot of different professions in my life. Mm -hmm. I was working for a computer software house, and I was becoming sicker and sicker. 
and I was exhausted. I needed to get out, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. What was I going to do? Um, because I wasn't in the major software technology. It, it, this company had their own stuff. It was very specific to them. Mm-hmm. And so I kept putting it off and putting it off, and I kept getting all these signals and all these messages to get out. And, Jennifer, I was terrified. I kid you not. I held on by my fingernails far longer, at least a year or two longer than I should have, until one day, and this was Memorial Weekend. It was a three-day weekend. Mm-hmm. I came home on a Friday night exhausted, and I started to get really sick, and not lots of symptoms, just to feel like I was completely crashing, my body was crashing. Yeah. By Sunday morning, I felt like I was running a fever. I, I didn't take my temperature at that point, but I, I felt like I was dying. Wow. And I called the woman who'd been doing healing work with me, who had also been telling me for over a year that we really need to get out of this job. And it, the universe lined everything up for me because she was home, and she answered her phone on a Sunday morning. And Amazing. I said to her, yes. Yeah, really, because she didn't usually do that. But as I said, everything was lined up. And I said, I told her what I was feeling in my body, and she said, "Well, that's right. Your body isn't lying to you. But what you're feeling is what I'm getting when I tune into your body." And I said, "I feel like I'm either going to, you know, come down with some horrible disease, or I'm just going to literally die." And I have to leave my job. And she said, yep. And she pointed out, you can't Mm -hmm. lie to your physical body. You can't say you're going to do something and not mean it and not follow through. Right. (laughs) Right. So the pause in my my voice here is is as I'm remembering that I was just stunned because I had been so terrified and so putting this off and so I had to make the choice. Was I going to live and be healthy, or was I going to leave? Right, right. And I, I, I found my courage. I came downstairs, and I, I had a, a brand new, this was when PCs were new, very mm-hmm. new. I had a PC here, and I sat down because I did word processing, and I wrote a letter resigning. And then I couldn't wait till Tuesday morning. I, I wanted to run right in there. Monday, but it was a three-day weekend. That's how I remember when this happened. And what I discovered, even though I still didn't really know what I was going to do or how I was going Mm -hmm. to earn a living or anything, Mm -hmm. I was filled with joy. I turned in my resignation, and I was high as a kite. That's amazing. I gave, isn't that incredible? Yes. I gave them two weeks' notice, although I really just wanted to walk in and quit. But I did the appropriate thing. And then they asked me to stay an extra week for whatever reason. Because I was middle management. You know, I had a lot of information and things to pass on to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were it's a small company of about 45 people. And so many people were furious with me for leaving. <laughs> and they kept asking me, so what are you going to do? And I didn't want to say, well, I have no idea. So, right. so what I said was, is I'm following my higher guidance. And that was true because about a year before, 
mm-hmm. had met an Indian meditation master and re- received what's called Shaktipat initiation, which is the transference of the divine energy for the awakening of Kundalini. Mm-hmm. And so that's all I could say. But I knew that the inner guidance was my own inner guidance. It wasn't some other person. Right. Okay, or right. some other being or some other consciousness. It was me at a higher level telling me, cut the bullshit. <laughs> it's time for you yeah. to move. Right, right. And honestly, Netta, I, I believe you and agree with you wholeheartedly. If you hadn't made this change, you would have died or gotten very ill. I mean, your body was telling you it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you weren't what it was saying is it's past time. It's <laughs> been waiting too long. So I know my listeners want to know what. How would you describe an animal communicator? What What do they do? Or how do you do it? Right. What do you do? How do you do it? Well. It's always been natural for me to have conversations with animals. <clears throat> Usually I'm talking out loud, and even with mm-hmm. my, in my professional service, I'm talking out loud because my clients, such as yourself perhaps, okay, mm-hmm. you and I are on the phone together, and I would be talking, I happen to know you have a lovely cat. I'd be She's talking sitting right her, here next to bar. me, yes. Yep. And I, what I do is I describe what I'm getting from the animal. And when I first started doing this professionally, I think there were only two or three ways I, I was receiving. I, I'm very visual, always have been. So I see mm-hmm. pictures, and mm-hmm. I do get words and feelings, and the feeling level has expanded hugely. And this really came from a dog I was working with in the first year or two um, who had a problem going dog shows and the uh, the person was very concerned nobody seemed to be able to diagnose what was wrong and while I'm not trained to diagnose and I don't do medical diagnosis I just report mm-hmm. what I feel sense and what the animal tells me they're experiencing and what this dog said she was experiencing was ringing in her ears okay. and her person was working with a homeopathic veterinarian so homeopathy is very symptom-oriented. So anything I could describe from the dog, then the woman could tell the vet, and then the appropriate remedy or a change mm-hmm. in remedy. So this is what we were doing. Anyway, one day, the dog had been to a show, and it, it had been just a terrible experience. And I asked the dog to let me know what this felt like for her. Mm-hmm. And I saw visually like a spiral of energy coming at me and then it penetrated my went right through my whole body vibrated right through my whole body and wow. that was when the feeling level of me really opened up it was like she gave me a gift but then uh-huh. I could describe that to her person so the animals are my teachers they're my biggest teachers always have wow wow well, and, and I know, going back to what you said, where you talk out loud, when you and I have worked together, and I've called you up, and uh, I'll share an example with the listeners. You know, Jaguar and I were recently staying with a friend, and Jaguar was scratching the furniture. I called you up. I said, we're having this problem. I 
verbally said to Jaguar before the call, we're going to have a call with Netta. So she heard me say that. And she explained to you, and that's all I told you. We're having a problem. We're at a friend's house. She's scratching furniture, which she doesn't normally do. And she explained to you that there was there was too much stuff in in the space, and she didn't feel like she could use her scratching post as a result. Um, that the way the the room was organized and the scratching post was, and she visually showed that to you. Yeah. And then we talked about well, what if we move the scratching post? And, and I told you afterwards, I did. I moved the scratching post to an area that didn't have as much furniture in it, and that stopped the problem immediately. You know, animals have their own unique perspective. Each one is an individual. So I never generalize from one animal to another, even if they're in the same species. And. Mm-hmm. I try to communicate absolutely everything to the human involved because what I'm t- part of what I was told from my higher guidance from the very beginning was that my job was to help the humans and the animals understand each other's perspective. This is why I do this work mm-hmm. over the phone. There are some people who want a written list of questions and a picture of the animal and they go into a quiet space and they have the conversation and they type it up and give it to the person. But right. I was told that that is part of my job. You're a bridge. Yeah. And also, I'm a facilitator of negotiation so that if there's Mm -hmm. a conflict between two animals or a group within a group of animals or between the animals and the people, my job is to help everybody understand each other's point of view so we can come to a solution or a plan of action. And, I mean, I don't think every animal communicator does this. I think some of them just answer the questions and, and go on to the next case. Um, and that's fine. That's appropriate for a lot of things, a lot of situations. But that's not what my service is about. So, when you know, one of the things as you were describing this conversation with Jaguar and how you experienced it, one of the things I was remembering is that as I was, seeing an image of this room with all kinds of furniture crammed together. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm remembering that she had this tremendous frustration because she couldn't really run around and play. There was too much stuff in the way. And right. some of what she was doing was taking out the frustration on the furniture also. But you got the main point. Move, move the scratching post or move the furniture. And it, yeah. it did resolve. I don't say that I can resolve every situation, but I try to move things in a direction so people know what the next steps are. And then if we have to get back together again and work more, we do. Well, and again, I I will say from my experience, that ability of yours to translate, in this case, Jaguar's frustration with the space we were in temporarily uh, and, and share with me, here are some way, things we can try to help release that so that she doesn't exhibit this behavior and she's happy at the same time, because that's equally as important, um, was, was extremely beneficial. And, and I think that part of your gift is what will, I mean, again, my perspective is what will help people have a better understanding of their animal companions and how they think, and what they need. You know, every client is different, and you are extremely receptive to wanting to understand Jaguar's point of view. 
I also have clients who call me up. They've been dealing with a problem for a very, very long time. You know, it could be a cat not using the litter box or dogs barking or whatever. And it could be that for years something has been going on, and they're Mm -hmm. at their wit's end, and they want an instant fix, an instant cure. Now, part of that desire for an instant solution is because in our society, we're taught that that's what you should be able to get. You know, pop a pill kind of approach. Right. Yes. And many times, part of my challenge with my human clients is to help them understand that this is a multi-step process. And we can only take one or two steps in the beginning, see how that evolves, and then look at it again and move on to the next step. Yeah. That can be difficult for people. And right very challenging. Another challenge that I have sometimes is that the people who call me really, really love their animals. There's no doubt about it. They're willing to go great lengths to make their animals healthy and happy and to resolve issues. But some of those same people blame themselves for everything that goes wrong in an animal's life. And, and of course, wrong is a, is a perspective. But, mm-hmm. okay, so this is not working. So it's my, it's got to be my fault, is what they say. Oh, interesting. And so the minute the animal starts saying, I'm really angry. I mean, I've had conversations with animals where the animal was screaming and shouting and, you know, a thousand four-letter words kind of thing, <laughs> uh, as yep. well as animal-type sounds and, and images of frustration, depending on the animal. Those are different. And then the challenge is for me to help the human just listen. Because one of the advantages I have is I can hear what the animal is wanting to say, and I can feel what they're feeling. And so I can give them that gift of being a listener. But they want their human to really listen. You know how important listening is for humans in our, you know, in our own relationships, being yes. heard. Yes, it's the same thing for animals. They want to be heard. They want to be acknowledged for whatever they're feeling without judgment, and without yes. somebody rushing in to try to make it better immediately. At a certain point, they get all that heavy-duty emotion expressed, or at least a significant amount of it. Then they're ready to move forward. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know from a human perspective, when we as a human don't feel heard, sometimes all we just need to do is have somebody truly listen to us, and whatever problem it is that we're experiencing, I won't say it goes away, but it lessens, and we we sometimes don't even need action. Just the gift of listening helps humans. Is that the same for animals as well? In some cases, yes, it is. I mean, I've had. You know, I've been doing this now since 1994. It's a long time. And I have some clients who've been with me almost that long. I also have clients who call up. We have one session talking to the animal. I make some suggestions. Everybody agrees on a plan. And then I don't hear from them again for six or seven years or even eight. Now, that's perfectly fine. You know, they're free to do whatever they want to do. 
when I first started, I was eager for feedback. So I would want to call people and say, oh, how is it going? And a lot of people mm-hmm. really didn't want to talk to me. I'm not sure what they were thinking since I'm not that telepathic with humans. Right. But I stopped doing it because folks just didn't have the time or the interest or whatever to have a conversation. What happens, though, is that sometimes people do call back several years later, and I have notes because that's how I keep all this stuff straight in my own head. I have a few notes. Mm-hmm. So I would they'd be calling about a completely different problem, maybe with the same animal, maybe with a different one. And I would say, oh, gee, you know, how did that work out when we talked five or six years ago? Yeah. Right. And they'd say, oh, you know, we got off the phone, and I never had to do anything you suggested because the animal just was fine. They just Here's needed to be listened to. Yeah. Yeah. They needed to be heard. And, and, and they needed to understand why the human was behaving the way the human was behaving. Or the human made a shift and or the human made a shift inside that mm-hmm. allowed the animal to feel, okay, you know, now we're together on this. Yeah. You, you bring up another interesting point, and it reminds me of something, again, that when you were working with me with Jaguar, and it was when I was having, we were having the conversation to let her know that I wanted her to be traveling with me, going on airplanes and whatnot to different places with me, and I wanted to see if she was receptive to that. And we had to have the conversation about her going into a carrier and wearing a harness, and and her response was, oh, that's a human thing. And it stuck with me because I think, especially people who truly love their animals, we, we and I, I'm guilty of this as well, I think of Jaguar as a member of the family and sometimes even like a child, right? I may refer to myself as mommy or call her, you know, oh, how's my baby today? And I sometimes forget that she is an entirely different species with a different perspective and outlook on life and ways of doing things than I do as a human being. And what I'm hearing you say is you help bridge that as well so that we have a greater understanding of what animals, how they really are and what they think of the human way of living. Well, you know, I mean, there's lots of different directions I can go with this conversation. <laughs> um, let, let me mention a couple of things. I once gave a talk on cats and litter boxes. Mm-hmm. I interviewed about 12 cats. I, I called up clients I had in mind. I was looking for cats who are indoor-outdoor, only indoor, only outdoor. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get a wide variety of points of view. And I got 12 totally different points of view <laughs> about where you put your pee and poop and, uh, you know, if you're inside, if you're outside, different preferences. I mean, it was absolutely fascinating. But because it was a talk, one of the things I like to do in my talks is offer some kind of little meditation or experience for people. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I work completely from higher guidance. I was guided to invite all the people on the call to ask one of their animals, you could do it verbally, they didn't have to do it telepathically, mm-hmm. to allow them to kind of look out through their eyes as they stepped into their litter box. Ooh. And to sense that litter box the way the cat senses it. How does it smell? How does it feel on their paws? 
you know, is the box big enough, comfortable? I don't remember all the details, but that was that was kind of the gist of it. To see the litter box from the cat's perspective, um, it's so important that we understand their perspective. I have two cats right now, and mm-hmm. one of them would really give me dirty looks if I told her, you know, if I called her my baby and, and I was her mommy. And I, I think it's important for people to understand that you can have that kind of relationship with an animal, and sometimes the animal is, loves it. Mm-hmm. But you're dealing with adults. You know, if you have a, a kitten or a puppy, yes, it's a baby or a foal or whatever. But mm-hmm. at a certain point, it becomes an adult biologically and hopefully emotionally and mentally, too. Mm-hmm. And my other cat um, is working through 11 or 12 life, past lifetimes of things, some of which I have been a parent of hers, actually, we found out. Okay. And when she came, and when she came to me at six months of age, she needed, and still sometimes needs, she's almost four, mm-hmm. mothering, nurturing. I mean, to the point where I made a heart-to-heart connection with her to help her feel more loved, and she mm-hmm. immediately started crawling inside my shirts to be okay. literally to be on my chest, to that, that close. Wow. So it is very different. It's very individual. But we have it, you know, we, we live in a very, from my point of view, a very strange culture where we put high up as an ideal to be a rugged individualist. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us, our families are animals. But even if you're a biological mother to a human child, you, at some point you've got to let that child grow up. Yeah. So there, there's, that, there's a little bit of that kind of tension in our relationships that we need to acknowledge, I think, if we want to have a healthy and, and a mutually satisfying relationship with the animal. Because they do become adults. And they, and they have knowledge and wisdom and, and spiritual perspectives and insights. Well, and that leads me to my next question, which is what purpose do animals serve in our lives? Oh, my goodness. There's a very long list. <laughs> um, let, me, let me say this about that. <laughs> let me try to find a starting place. A lot of us have been together many, many times before. I mean, the animals taught me that reincarnation is real. I've had mm-hmm. animals reincarnate in my life. A number of times. I, one of my cats was formerly my horse, Echo, who was my great teacher, and now she's here at Starlight and continues to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, for other reasons, I believe in reincarnation from my own personal inner world experience. And so we're often together many, many times. And from, a, from what I understand, before you and I incarnated, mm-hmm. we were on the soul plane, and we have guides there, helpers, who help us um, choose, you know, what's this next life going to be about, what are, gonna, what are the challenges going to be, what are the goals going to be, 
uh, what are the lessons going to be, and then there are other souls who are invited to participate with us, and some of them become family members, mother, father, siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, and so on, um, and also animals. They're part of that. And every one of those other souls is also having their lessons. So when you come together in a particular lifetime, it's because the lessons align. Right. And it's also, you know, so for example, I'll give an example from my life. Um, Starlight, my, my Siamese cat, who was my Arabian horse, mm-hmm. came into this lifetime and has kind of had a chronic respiratory infection. She's about to turn seven this summer. Good grief. Um, I can't believe it's gone so fast. But, you know, so I'm working with her in a lot of, with all alternative vets to try to help her move through this and also with a lot of other healing techniques. And I do energy healing with animals and with humans, too. Um, so she's getting a lot of assistance with it. But I also have asthmatic symptoms and kind of chronic respiratory infections myself. Now, I could sit here and say, well, Starlight is taking this on for me and trying to help me, and I could beat myself up and feel guilty about it, which is what a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Or I can look at this from a higher perspective and say, hey, she's here to have this experience with me. She's working on her stuff. I'm working on my stuff. And part of why this works so well is because there's parallels. Yeah. So, so that's one way of thinking about life purpose. Another life, or, you know, sometimes they come in just to teach us about unconditional love because we've forgotten. Yeah. And we need a lot more of that in our world. So, yeah, that's a big one. That's a really big one. And, you know, and the first place we need it is to love ourselves. I, I once, about a year ago, I think, wrote a, a blog on my website about how the the scarcest commodity on this planet is self-love. It's scarcer than clean water or clean air or food or anything else mm-hmm. because it's it, it's beyond epidemic proportions. If you can't truly love yourself, you really aren't filled up enough to have love to share with others. So when you have an animal who loves you no matter what, I mean, for so many people, that's essential. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's probably why we love them so much back, because it's one of the few times, perhaps, that we get that kind of love. Yes. And and when we get it, 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 it means that they're not sitting in judgment of us. They're just accepting us as we are. And they're teaching us a pretty valuable lesson in the same time. Yeah. Yes. And then sometimes they're here to teach us other things. Echo, my horse, Mm -hmm. was one of my main, I mean, she was my master teacher on telepathic communication. One of the things my animals do is they teach in my, my, well, I used to teach workshops where people would Mm -hmm. physically get together. But now I teach teleseries online and that way I have clients all over the world and, and people from different cultures can share about their animals and talk to each other's animals and um, it's a lot of fun sounds like it 
Yeah, it really it really is. And and sometimes, you know, some people have farm animals and some people have uh, more unusual pets like iguanas or pet snakes or I once spoke with a pet tarantula. Um, hmm. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a client situation where a little boy had a pet tarantula and and they felt that the tarantula was getting ready to leave her body. Mm-hmm. And I had never talked to a spider before. And often when when I first connect with an animal, I get a visual of them about, oh, maybe eight or ten inches from my face. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, this is going to be really interesting because, you know, spiders are not exactly um, attractive to me, shall we say. Mm-hmm. I okay. recognize their worth and their value in, in the ecosystem. But anyway, so I connected with this tarantula and the little boy and his mother are on the phone and what I felt from that tarantula was astonishing to me it was nurturing, mothering loving that wow. was the energy of this being I have spider chills body. going through me body. right now wow <laughs> I have so many chills going through my body because I don't personally have a problem with spiders. I like them, and if they're in the house, I usually catch them and put them outside. But mm-hmm. I know that they are reviled by so many people, and yet here you are saying that this tarantula you talked to was filled with love and nurturing for this little boy. Yes. Oh, I, I felt very, very honored. I've had some amazing client situations where... Well, it was just so unexpectedly a teaching for me and a mm-hmm. healing for them. And, you know, I know my listeners would love to hear a couple stories about some of these animals, if you could share them. Okay. Um, well, there, again, this was in the early years, um, a gentleman <laughs> from upstate New York contacted me because he had two female dogs who had lived together. They were I don't remember what breeds they were, but they were different breeds. They were not biological sisters, but they had lived together as sisters lovingly for a long time. And then one day they started viciously fighting. Blood was flowing. Uh, this fellow had been to vets. He'd been to a dog trainer. Nobody could solve it. And then one of the dog trainers said, hey, you know, why don't you call an animal communicator? And this was when it was still very new, animal communication. Mm-hmm. So he called me. And this was a, this was a rare thing, because I don't always have this happen exactly, but you can never mm-hmm. predict. So I'm talking, I, I, years ago I discovered that when a situation comes up and I need to figure out how to do something, my higher guidance steps in and says, oh, you just do this. So I needed to talk to both dogs at once, and I had learned from an earlier situation that if I imagined that my head was kind of like an old-fashioned switchboard where you plug Mm -hmm. everybody in, then I could Mm -hmm. talk with more than one animal at a time telepathically. So I do what I call conference calls, in quotes, when I talk Mm -hmm. with animals in a family where I need to talk to more than one at a time. So I had both of these dogs that I was talking to, and they began to tell me the story. And um, 
one of the first things I ask the human is, when did this start and what was happening around that time? Because I don't want to have to go on a fishing expedition and try to figure it out. I need a little backdrop so I can make sense sure. of what the animals are telling me. So it turned out his daughter had to come home from college and brought a male dog. And it was after that visit, when the dog left, that the fighting started. So then I had a basis for saying to the dogs, okay, what's going on? <laughs> what happened when the male dog came? Well, it turned out that one of the one of the female dogs had kind of fallen in love with this male dog, and suddenly the sisters were in conflict because the male was coming between them. Mm-hmm. So rather than get angry at the male, the other dog, the other female, got mad at her her sister in quotes for mm-hmm. paying more attention to the male. It was a jealousy thing. Okay, so now we know what happened. How do we resolve it? And of course, right. this is where we have to go into the heart and say, look, you know, you guys have been friends for all these years. Can't you just talk to each other? This is the thing I find hilarious sometimes because animals are all telepathic. You would think they just talk stuff through. No, they're just like us. <laughs> we don't always talk things through either. Right. So I encouraged, I encouraged them to talk to each other, and I began having visual images of what each dog was doing, and as I would describe that to the gentleman I was speaking to, he would say, oh my God, she just did that. Like, in, in one moment, one dog got really fed up with the whole conversation, walked out of the room. I said, oh, she's mm-hmm. leaving. Yeah, she just walked into the kitchen. Uh, yeah, but she's coming back now. Oh my God, she is. <laughs> and finally, um, I said to one of them, I said, could you please, you know, because they were working it through, could you please show some forgiveness to your sister? And that dog began licking the other dog's ear, and the fellow on the phone was going, oh, my God, that's how they that's how they kiss each other all the time. They're making up. Oh, my God. Oh. And what astounded me, other than the fact that they did this, and literally I could see the whole thing in my mind's eye, the fellow wrote me a thank you letter afterward, and he was from the military. He was a retired mm-hmm. military man. And so it was great that he'd opened up to this because a lot of people aren't open up even today to the fact that right. you can communicate with animals. So that was that was a really exciting conversation. Um, lots of times I have, oh, there, there was a young horse that had gone for training, and when the woman brought the horse home, she would get on the horse's back and, and the horse wouldn't go forward. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to the horse, the horse is going, well, what the heck's my life purpose here anyway? I mean, why should I do this stuff? You know, the <laughs> trainer was a little more forceful, so the trainer could get the, 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 this young mare to do it. But mm-hmm. the other, you know, the, the woman who owned her was a little more timid, and the horse is going, why am I doing this? <laughs> and and having, knowing their purpose is really important, not just their spiritual purpose, which often they do know. Mm-hmm. And which we certainly can't tell them because that's something they get from their own higher guidance. And, and you know, I could connect to their higher guidance and find out for them. But she was really asking her, her human person, why are we doing this? And as soon as right. the woman explained what she wanted them to do, she got on the horse the next day and the horse walked right forward. Just needed that clarity. Needed that clarity. 
needed to know what it was all about. And this is the exciting thing from my perspective, is they want to understand where we're coming from. They're telepathic. They tune into us. When you say Jaguar's name, Mm -hmm. she doesn't just respond with her ears. She responds with her, her psychic awareness. Yeah. Now, the problem then becomes, okay, you've got my attention. Wait a minute. Where'd you go? Humans are running mentally in a thousand directions. We think we're multitasking, yes. but most of the time we're just scrambling around. Yes. And it confuses them. They don't know how to sort that out. So my job is to help focus everyone in so that we can actually have the conversation, have the exchange of information, and work it, work the situation out. That's wonderful. Now, we've got about three minutes left in our show today. Um, what's one message uh, that you would like to leave the listeners with um, before we wrap up? Ah, okay. Well, I think, I feel, that's the message, I feel. If you tune in to what you feel from your animal, mm-hmm. you will be receiving telepathic. A lot of people, when they want to learn animal communication, want it to be, you know, they want to see pictures or they want to hear. And Mm -hmm. because of that, they don't notice all the other ways they're already getting information. And being in a feeling place means that your heart is open. Open your heart. Imagine you have a flower in the middle of your chest, a beautiful rose or daisy, whatever your favorite flower is. And imagine mm-hmm. the sun coming to it and it opening up. When you're open in your heart, you're more able to be receptive. And that's true everywhere in our lives, but especially with our animals. That's the message. And the trigger mm-hmm. is when you, when you hear yourself like I just did, when you hear yourself say the word, I think, that's a signal going, whoops, I'm in my head. We think Drop up in our Drop down head. to the heart. Yeah. Translate that into, I feel. And when you feel, you go down into your heart, open up that flower, and then just invite your animal to be with you in your heart. That is the simplest, easiest way to expand your communication with your animals. Mm. So I encourage everybody to do that. That is beautiful. And going back to what you said before about love and self-love, Opening up our hearts encourages both of those in our world. Um, and I'm going to try I, that I, I with Jaguar today. I want to say one Jennifer, if I can sure. have like 15 seconds here. Sure. Oh, Drat, it popped out of my head. This is important. Ah, okay. Don't let fear hold you back in communicating with your animals. Don't worry about what other people will think. You don't have to tell them what you're doing. And right. don't worry about what you may think. Let those voices in your head from this lifetime or past lifetimes that have created mm-hmm. fear around this, go have a cup of coffee. See you later. And just do it. And, and just do it. Netta, you have been such an interesting guest, and I know um, – I'm sure listeners have more questions, so maybe we will schedule another one of these at some point in the future. But for now, in the last 
10, 15 seconds we have, how can people get in touch with you if they wanted to learn more? Okay. Well, my website is Rays of Healing Light, all spelled like normal words strung together, R-A-Y-S-O-F-H-E-A-L-I-N-G-L-I-G-H-T.com. And there you can read about me, find out about courses I'm offering, have fun with my blog, um, find out about other sessions I offer as well as animal communication. And my phone number is there, too. My phone is 860-651-5771, Eastern Time. Thank you so much, Netta. Um, Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you you so much. And and thank (laughs) you to Jaguar, too. You're welcome. I will pass that on to her. Um, Thank you. And I will, um, I'm going to end the episode and... There we go. Episode has ended. 